You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, gremlin in the system, but we're here. We're here. We're sorted. We're grand Friday morning. Good morning to you. 0818-969696. Glorious, hot, sunny Friday and Saturday ahead as we welcome Westlife to Leaside and more on that later on this morning. Also yesterday we were talking about chronic pain. Rebecca got in touch with us with her own personal story of chronic pain. We'll hear that in a while. Also... Children seem to be walking away from sport. They get involved in it as little ones, and then as they go into the teenage years, they walk away from it. Why are they doing that? Why is that happening? Why is it that so many kids are walking away from sport? Is is it gone too competitive? Is the fun gone out of it? Is there too much focus on being weedy good? And not just having a laugh. And if you have any relatable stories to do with that, love to hear from you. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. But the fire service have had a very busy night, in fact, very busy evening and night. Victor Shine joins me, second officer with Cork City Fire Brigade. Victor, you had a particularly busy night in the city. Was there, was there a car broken into and set on fire? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, that's correct. A very busy night for fire service in Cork City. Um, just off Baker's Road um, last night in the early hours of the morning, there was a car broken into at the rear of some commercial premises and set on fire, which caught on to the buildings of the premises, which caused some apartments to be evacuated and structural damage to the building. And um, so 
so that was uh, again there was some uh, a gas it was a gas powered car so there's potential you know um, explosions involved yes, with that yes. type of fire as well so quite a, a hazardous type of situation for uh, both the firefighters dealing with that situation and the uh, residents of the properties surrounding that area as well. Some people had to be evacuated, I think, Victor. That's correct, yeah. There were some apartments over the commercial premises that had to be evacuated and uh, the fire had to be dealt with then. I think the Gardaí are investigating the situation yeah. and... Um, think they're making progress. We've been on to them for some further information, asking some questions at the press office and whatever we can bring, we certainly will. But there was obviously the car was, was badly damaged, if not destroyed. There was a building damage. There was, it could have been a potentially very serious incident, couldn't it, Victor? There is the potential. And um, these type of fires, there are some modifications being done to cars there now where gas cylinders are being stored in the wheel well of the car so it doesn't obviously look like a gas-powered vehicle. So, again, um, there are some complicated issues now surrounding modern vehicle fires as well that firefighters have to deal with. I see, I see. Now, I know that you've been dealing as well with a lot of gorse and uh, wildfires around the city during the the hot spell. There was a pretty nasty one out in Bailinablaw yesterday. I don't know if you're involved in that, but there's other ones too. That's correct, or... Yeah, our county colleagues were dealing with two substantial fires out in the western suburbs of the city yesterday evening, and uh, we had a substantial number of fires in the city suburbs as well, um, both north side and south side. So the fire crews are are being particularly kept busy dealing with those, and again, dealing with uh, your routine road traffic collisions, people entering the water, and so on. So it's very, very busy at the moment. Yeah, there was a nasty collision outside Carrigaline yesterday involving a truck, I think. Again, our colleagues from Carrigaline Fire Service and Tink Cross Haven Fire Service were dealing with a, a road tanker that overturned yeah, yeah. on a roundabout. Yeah, so that was dealt with by our colleagues. Victor, what's the advice to people? Look, we're beautiful weather. It's only natural that people will drag out the barbecue and, and set it up or, or go out the, into the county for a walk or onto the... You know, what's the advice to people with regard to, to fires and the danger of fires yeah. starting? Now, we have to consider absolutely our own safety, the safety of our families, friends um, and our, our neighbours and the general uh, population public of, of Cork City as well. People will be coming to the city in large numbers, going to the concerts in Parky Cueve. And um, again, they may have that uh, ap- or the appetite for outdoor catering with the portable barbecues and so on. So anything that's been used during the, these hot spells have to be used in accordance with the manufacturer's recommendations, used appropriately, safely, and then considering the consequences of if they are disposing of um, materials post uh, their socialising, that is um, disposed of in an appropriate manner okay. and safely. Those portable barbecues, they're very popular and they're very handy, but... Someone said to me years ago when I was buying one of those, the first one I ever bought, make sure before you even light it that you have a bucket of water to one side and make sure before when you're putting it out, just empty the water into it. Make sure it's out. Absolutely. We've had a number of cases now where those barbecues have been put into um, waste bins and the waste bins going on fire and so on, you know. So yeah. it's the the use of them during the using and features that are used after it as well, that they are completely extinguished using, as you say, put the whole barbecue into uh, into water to cool all the charcoal down because it, it takes a long time for these to cool down. 
and then dispose of them appropriately. Yeah, and of course you've gars and, and land like tinder at the moment, so you don't really want to be want, absolutely want to be in back. Okay, so Victor, thank you very much. We've had a ba- very very busy uh, twenty four hours. We're, we've asked the guy, the press, for any further information they can give us with regard to that incident uh, on the north side last night. Gas conversion car car converted to gas broken into, set fire to it. It spread to the building next door. Two business premises. Apartments had to be evacuated. Damage to a roof. There's an investigation ongoing. And if we can bring you more on that, we most certainly will. Now, I mentioned I mentioned um, Bail de Blois and very spectacular scenes and videos from down there yesterday of a gorse fire. Dermot, you were, you were flying home from holidays yesterday, I think, and you saw this as you came into land. Is that right? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, we were flying in there from Malaga, and geez, there was one of those flights there. You know, you could see nearly the whole coast of of Cork, and next thing you just saw this eruption of smoke from just as we were approaching the city. I suppose what, what it felt like. It was an impressive sight. Yeah, you took you took a video, and it got huge traction. It was just a plume of smoke, smoke straight up. And of course, there wasn't a puff of wind, so it was going straight up. Yeah, it was it was just a very phenomenal sight, really. Like, and what I found interesting was like the we couldn't even see the fire. Like the the actual area of land that seemed to be affected seems tiny from where we were standing. But the amount of smoke then, as it as it came up, like it really really made you think how much fire, how much smoke that you produce by these fires. Absolutely, absolutely, Jeremy. Thanks and. Uh, thanks for that. That that video had gone viral. You'll find it all over socials. Dirty beaches. See that I, I I asked last week that we not hear about dirty beaches. See, there's a picture gone viral of a is it a priest from the Crosshaven area has taken to walking his local beach early in the morning, almost as the sun is rising in the sky, and clearing litter and dirt from the beach. Tina was on as well about Red Barn. Well, we go into that in a second. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, I grab that line five. Visit, release that to me, so and I'll talk to Tina. Um, she was in Red Barn. We, we I, I think we just. She would, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We don't appreciate the beaches that we have with the dirt we leave on them. Tina, this is uh, Clay Castle. Yeah, good morning. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Good. Um, I just rang um, your colleague there, PJ. Myself and um, my sister Anne have walked from the lighthouse in Yall nearly all the way to Redbarn here, cleaning the beach. Just right. the two of us. Right. Picking up bottles, cans, rubbish that people left here yesterday. Yeah. The bins haven't been emptied since, um, I'd say, Wednesday. Right. The Iron Man is on for the weekend. The place is a disgrace. No, yeah. the beach is clean because we're halfway through it. Yeah. But I just wanted to get it off my chest. It's absolutely disgusting. We have two big, huge black bags full already. Right. We can't even let them by the bins because the bins are overflowing since yesterday. Right. So, like, where's the council? Yeah. yeah. Now, I know they're very busy and there's thousands of people coming in here for the weekend, PJ, but, I mean, they need to get the, the basic things done. Like, I mean, the bins... There was millions of people on the speech here yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It's a disgrace. I'm really, really disappointed with the council down here. Like they, I know they're doing hard work now preparing for it, but like they're they're neglecting the most 
the most beautiful beach like in the south of Ireland like I know I know Clare Castle Beach it's gorgeous and, and oh my god yeah and there are bins there but they are, they are PJ like I'm going to take photo- like I'm going to send you a photograph now do, of the bin there do, since do. yesterday there's, there's no point in having bins if you're not going to collect them but it, like it's not even that PJ like get somebody like get get somebody community service or something down here to, to tidy the beach for all these millions of people that are coming in like you know, it's, oh, it's bloody heartbreak. Look, it's done now anyway. We've done it. We've cleaned the beach. And I'm, I'm the one person then that's going to get stuck in somebody today if they don't pick up their rubbish. <laughs> well, you, you know, know what I mean? Here's the thing, Tina, and I've been saying this for years, and I know your voice. You've been hearing me say this for years. What is it about us when we go to the beach that we can't just take a shopping bag or some kind of a bag and take our sandwich wrappers and our cans and yeah. just take them home? You bring, you bring your sandwiches in a plastic bag. You bring your picnic. Put your bloody rubbish back into your picnic bag, PJ. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's dreadful. And, like, another thing then that's getting up my nose is the, the dog, the dog litter. Oh, God, right. Do you see, I'm going to be arrested one of the days, like, over the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> People not picking up their litter. I know, I know. Oh, Look, it's off my chest now, anyway. I just Good wanted for to say. You. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. I, enjoy enjoy this. like... If yeah. they're here for the weekend, please, please bring back your rubbish to your own home. Yeah. Don't leave it on the beach for me to pick up or anybody else for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. There's two things. Thanks, Tina. There's two things happening here, right? First of all, people need to accept a bit of personal responsibility and take their stuff home. And I'm prepared to perish on that hill. It doesn't matter if the council are out every hour collecting. If people don't take stuff home and take their own personal responsibility should they waste their time. But we should have more bin collections. I mean, it's a glorious weekend. As Tina said, there's a massive event in Yall uh, this weekend, the Iron Man. There's thousands and thousands of people visiting from all over the world. You would think, would you not, that even before first light this morning, there should have been a bin truck going around to every single one of those beach bins and emptying it and replacing the liner in it every morning before first light. Because let me tell you this, last week when I was in holidays, the week before I was in holidays, we were on the beach practically every day and I noticed two things. One, loads of bins on the beach, okay? Loads of them. I mean, one every 20 feet on the beach we were on emptied every morning at first light. Now also taken away in the evening but emptied particularly every single morning. There was a truck came down and there was fellas came down horsed on the truck, newbie lines. But something else I noticed was that people took responsibility for their own stuff brought their own stuff away brought it to the bins. So you know you've got your picnic stuff, your bottles your sandwich wrappers, your whatever you have yourself right? And you put them all into a plastic bag and you tie the plastic bag and you put it into the bin or down beside the bin. And then the following morning, the council come along at first light and they empty the bin. This is what happens all over the world. What is it about our crowd from County Hall? And I know they don't like me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Get up early, get a truck out, clear the beaches, empty the bins, at least let us start with a clean slate. Like as Tina said there, Right, she and her friend or went out, sister went out this morning. If the bins were empty at the start of the day, you have some hope of people using them. Right? If the bins are bulging at the start of the day, what hope have you got then? It's a two pronged. We have our own personal responsibility. 
if you gave a bin to everybody in the audience, you still have your own personal responsibility. Just, it, it gets under my fingernails, so it does. When I see this, when I go, go on my holidays and I see in other countries the dedication, the sheer dedication to just keeping the beaches clean. Right. Sorry, I'm ranting. I'm ranting. It's 100. Let me check this to be sure. It's 134 days to Christmas. Yes, it is. And Clonakilty, they're concerned that they won't have any Christmas lights. Fianna Fáil TD, Christopher O'Sullivan. Christopher, good morning. What is going on down there? County Council have said they're not putting the lights up. Morning, PJ. Are you, are you in the festive mood already? 134 days. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it seems mad to be talking about Christmas and we're about to have one of the hottest days of the year. But um, I think it's it, it's important and, and thanks to your show for for highlighting this. But yeah, it, it, I mean, you've just had a, a lengthy piece there on... Uh, local authorities and and uh, Cork County Council in that example, I suppose, walking away or, or washing their hands of some of the the basics, the basic functions of what you'd expect from a local authority or what you'd expect from local government. And in, in that case, you were talking about beach cleaning, but something, a tradition, I suppose, and something that has gone on for years in Clannacilty, not just Clannacilty, other towns right across the county, is that the local authority has, um, going back to the days the town council, has erected the, the Christmas lights. And it's it's something that, it's, it's a very important relationship because, as you can imagine, in a town like Clannacilty, you've got a lot of different streets, you've got um, a lot of nuances about hanging lights and putting up lights. So it was it was a huge relief from both residents and business people that the local authority would, would take this on. It was done, it was you know, towards the end of November, start of December, you knew that it was going to be done by the local authority. Mm. Um, and it, it's it's a relationship that worked perfectly. So I can't understand now, and it's really frustrating and annoying that this year, and in fact last year for Skibbering, but this year for Clannacilty and other towns, Cork County Council's solution to to um, Christmas lights in our towns is to grant aid. So in Clannacilty, they've decided to give a grant of ten thousand. Now you think, oh geez, that's a lot. That surely mm. that'll cover it. But there's a lot more to putting up Christmas lights. I mean, it's it, it costs money to get the appropriate contractor in uh, to you know use hoist to to uh, yeah. an electrician. To put I in take the it Christmas the, s- the town has its own supply of lights that that are stored every year. The Cork County Council have always taken care of supplying and storing them. And in fact, when the town council were disbanded in 2014, I suppose there was a bit of residual money left over from the rates that the town councils would have collected. And in fairness to the town council and Cork County Council at the time, uh, and don't get me wrong, Cork County Council do fantastic work, but in, in terms of the basics, so they, they, they gifted the town or they, they bought brand new um low energy uh, lights but fantastic lights I mean they, these these lights when they were first directed they became um, a real attraction people were flocking to Clannacilty to see these lights display around yeah. the likes of Emmett Square that you're familiar with Emmett Square PJ that beautiful Georgian garden yeah. you had these beautiful yeah. trickling icicles yeah. hanging down from, from the trees um, and it, it was fantastic so <clears throat> the local authority still still owns them it stored them and storage is another cost obviously that was something that, that people didn't have to worry about and what it meant is that businesses could get on with running their businesses they could get on with the fantastic um, Christmas Express Festival that has been set up in Clannacilty where kids get brought around uh, on the local choo-choo train that you'd be familiar with it's, it's yeah. converted into the Polar Express but no I mean if if these responsibilities are landed back on 
the people of Clannacilty and the business of Clannacilty, it gives them less time to run their business at a really busy time of year, and it gives them less time to put on these festivals. It's what what's there's a trend, PJ, in in the county and right across local authorities, probably, of putting the onus on volunteers. Look, we'll give you a grant there of ten thousand. It's the same with the tidy towns. You go away and you tidy up the park. You go away and you maintain the park. You clean the streets, and you know we'll 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 have less staff out there doing what we, they should be doing. Yeah. I think it's a worrying trend, and I think it should be reversed. And um, I've written to Cork County Council asking them to to reverse this decision because, um, I mean, look. Whatever happens, Clannacilty, the people in Clannacilty, Skibbereen, Bandon, right across West Cork, they're, um, you know, they're, they're very resilient, and they there will be Christmas lights yeah. no matter how we do it. There will be Christmas lights, but this is something that the, the local authorities should be doing. Well, 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 as one business person that I read an interview with said, Christopher, hang on, we pay our rates, and this is one of the things we expect in return. Yeah, and Cork County Council taking 118 million euro a year on rates. That's a that's an increase, um, and it, it's 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 a basic service that they expect in return. And look, uh, you know, it's very easy sometimes to take part in in local authority bashing. I mean, they do fantastic work in in, in terms of. I know you cover housing provision quite a lot in your show, PJ. Yeah. Cork County Council is actually one of the best in terms of housing provision. Their library service is absolutely world class, but these basic things like you know cleaning the streets looking after parks cleaning the beaches emptying bins um you know putting up christmas lights these are basics that people they need to get back to uh, and and it's it's something i, I really would love to see happen. Yeah. on the subject of the beaches and there you are in clonakilty <coughs> and you're only a short distance away from some of our finest in Chidani, for example, on a hincha, only mm. in the road. What state are they in, and what is the bin collection routine? Like one would have thought, Christopher, that in a week like this, when we know people are going to flock to the beaches in huge numbers, someone has the power in County Hall to make a phone call and say, "Can we get a crew out there with a truck at first light to at least empty the bins that are there and put in new bin liners?" Yeah, it, it depends on where you go, PJ. Like, for example, late yesterday evening, myself and, and my other family members, we went to Red Strand, which is right in between in Shidani and on Inch, like you described there. Um, and I, I don't know how people could live with the, the guilt of walking away from a mess like that. I mean, we, we had a bit of food there. Um, you know, the kids were there. They had a bit of food. And there was no way we were going to leave in that spot if there was going to be a single rapper left because I, you couldn't live with the, you probably feel the same, you couldn't live with the embarrassment of people looking and and, and kind of, you know, the, the judgment that you get. So I don't understand how people can can walk away and leave it there. So in Red Strand, though, yesterday was absolutely spotless. It was impeccable and it was, and, and there, there, there there's very few bin provision there is people basically putting the rubbish back into the receptacle that they brought it there in. So whether it's one of these, you know, these clothes bins that people bring down, etc. So that was the situation in Red Strand. In Chidani is more challenging. It's a lot busier there is, there are bins there. There is an issue, certainly, with the bins becoming um, full uh, and not being emptied. But we're lucky in West Cork. We have a great um, litter warden there who has, a, again, it's an arrangement with voluntary groups. You have voluntary groups who walk beaches like Lock Strand. They pick up the rubbish. They put it into. You'll see these. You'll often, if you're passing the beach, you might see a collection of plastic bin liners full, and they leave it there. In fairness to the litter warden, he comes along and collects it. But you know, this argument has been made for years against the provision of bins on our beaches that all people will just abuse them and, and use them. I mean, what we're doing at the moment isn't working. So why not provide extra bins and put in place a more regular rota of, of emptying them? Even and empty, said, the, and even empty the ones that are there, Christopher. You know, 
even empty the one. But exactly. Do, yeah. do you agree with me that I think it's a two-pronged thing? And again, just back from overseas where I watched this and people went to the beach and the Spanish, Sunday is a huge family day and they all go to the beach and the beach is to be thronged on a Sunday. They pick up the smallest morsel of waste and they take it away with them. Why can't we Absolutely. do that? It's the 100% two-pronged week. I mean, we can criticise the council, but they can't cater for people's um, own behaviour. They can't cater for people just uh, leaving stuff on the beach. I mean, in fairness, there has to be a bit of responsibility here. Look, there's a great motto, PJ, leave no trace. It's easy to follow. You, you, you bring your, if, there are, if the bins are full, bring your stuff home. Your car might be smelly for about five minutes on the drive home, but bring it back to your own um, you know, Ben, you know, so there's certainly there needs to be an information campaign there. I hundred percent I, I completely accept as as a government TD there needs to be more supports for local authorities to provide um these type of services. I mean, I think there was a an extra five million allocation given last year. That won't go anywhere near what's what's required, I think. Mm. Um so yeah, I mean there, there certainly is, is is responsibility on government, local government, but certainly on individuals as well. Okay. All right. Thank you, Christopher. Christopher O'Sullivan, Finnefall TD for Cork South West. That Christmas light story in Clan. We'll watch how it develops. People down there saying, We pay our rates. And these are the kind of things we're paid for. And the bins. Like you said, Red Strand, he personally and his family, same with us. I wouldn't I wouldn't leave a sweet wrapper on a beach. And I don't necessarily need a bin provided. If there's a bin provided, I'll use the thing. But if it happens to be full or there's none there, I'll put it in the back of the car and bring it home. Can we have a bit of personal responsibility? Please. 0818 96 96 96. John says, Michael Guinies, talking Christmas, Michael Guinies has two Santa Clauses in the window and it's only the start of August. Ah, yeah, I think, John, someone got in there before you because someone took a picture of the range yesterday. Now, it was from up the country, I'm assuming, because it's a chain of shops, that it's the same down in Little Island. The Christmas decorations are into the range already. And I know that there's one shop in town is already preparing to open its Christmas shop. But sure, look, it's only 134 days. And we'll be coming back to Westlife later on, talking to Maureen about the plans and arrangements for getting there and getting out this evening. Remember what we found out over the last day or so. If you want to get down there with a blue badge, if you were a blue badge holder and you need to get down to park your car, there is parking at the marquee site for blue badge holders. But they won't just let you in with a blue badge. You need to get onto the promoter's MCD access at mcd.ie or resident in fact works at mcd.ie and let them know that you want to go and they will I understand send you out a pass by return email also this I think we've established that this is going to happen I got a present of two paper Westlife tickets two original paper type tickets bought in 2020 for the original gigs can I get in with these we are told by MCD that the original tickets purchased back in 2020, will be honoured if you turn up with them at the gate tonight. They will be honoured. Okay. 0818 96 96 96. And more will sort that out later on anyway. Lastly, we got a statement from the guards on that suspected arson attack, which I want to give you. Guardian and the emergency services attended the scene of a criminal damage incident 
where a vehicle was found on fire and a nearby building was damaged on August 12th at 4.15am. Two males in their late teens were arrested, brought to Grondebar Garda Station where they are still being detained. No injuries reported, investigations ongoing. And that's from the Garda Press Office. 0818 96 96 96. So Rebecca, you were listening to us yesterday talking about uh, chronic pain and, and you have your own experience what happened? I do, I do. Um, unfortunately, I had um, an accident a couple of years ago, um, which left me with some back injuries, neck, shoulder, some nerve damage, um, and I was actually able to work for two and a half years afterwards because of the pain that just kept going on and on. So, still suffer with it today, but nowhere near as bad as what it was, and I'm back to work full time now as well. Good. You, you did permanent damage, which means you have permanent pain. That's it. That's it. So it's just trying to manage it now, kind of day to day, week to week, and that's the best you can do. Yeah. How bad did the pain get? You said you were out of work for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I was out of work for, it was two and a half years, and before I started kind of going back, um, just part-time, casual, kind of did a bit of work for myself and um, ended up going back to work full-time at the start of the pandemic, so my background is nursing. Um but it, it was very bad. Like it, you know, affected everything. It affects all aspects of your life. You know, social wise, going out with friends, relationships with family, um, work was a, a huge thing. Like I've worked since I was about fourteen. I got my first job, so that was a huge loss for me. Um, and it, you know, it stopped you going out doing the things you enjoy, going for walks, going to the beaches. You know, all mm. those things. So. Yeah, yeah, quite quite impactful. Yeah, and you kind of wake up and you go, oh no, bad day, need to cancel my friend, can't go yeah. out. And if it's back and neck pain, which I know a little bit about, uh, winter time was, was, was terrible. Yeah, winter seems to make it much worse. But yeah, definitely like that waking up in the mornings. There were some mornings I wake up and just be like, can't do it today. Like, you know, some mornings, it, sometimes the pain would be so bad that you'd be... There was a point where I'd be like hoping not to wake up in the morning so you don't have to experience it again and go through it for another 24 hours, do you know? Had your medication or what? how did you treat it? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> we tried everything. I had a fantastic GP in Cork. Or I have still have a fantastic GP in Cork. Um, you know, we tried everything, all different types of medication, different types of pain meds. Um, I went for physio, chiro, acupuncture, did counselling, everything and anything. I was determined to, you know, to fix this. I just wanted it to go away. would do anything possible to do it. And did anything um, work? Not really, like some things like that um, would work for a little bit or you'd get, you know, feel a bit better for a while, but then it would just keep coming back. And it seemed to like spread, like the pain sometimes would spread from your shoulder down to your hand or down into your lower back and it would just take over. Yeah. Um, Is that the kind of, had you the kind of injury where you can lose the strength in a hand or lose the flexibility? in a hand yeah, yeah the, the numbness the tingling the, the whole lot of, um, but they would have been you know the, the worst times over the last yeah. couple of years yeah. Um, but yeah like went to a pain specialist was, we're very lucky in Cork there's some you know fantastic healthcare professionals right. here um, saw a fantastic pain, pain specialist in Cork and had a multiple procedures done with him as well um, but it was actually when I started doing my own research that I found something that helped me and like you know I mean Pain is a very personal thing, so different things will help everyone. Um, but I started doing my own research and I was actually looking at 
studying pain to help understand it better for myself when I um, discovered a guy by the name of Professor Lorimer Mosley and he is a uh, pain specialist, um, researcher. He, I think he works in Australia now, but he has a book with another guy called David Butler um, and the book's called Explain Pain. Right. Um, so that was the, kind of the turn, turning point for me when I read that. It changed my understanding of pain and how it works and how to kind of retrain your sensitivity to pain afterwards. What, what's his basic um, premise? How does he define pain? It's so they look at pain with like a what they call a biopsychosocial model of pain. So if pain incorporates everything that the person experienced, so it's the actual biological side of it, the social side of it, and the psychological side of it. Mm. Um, but they have a very good website called TameTheBeast.org, and there's a fantastic video on there to help explain it. I love the um, name. I love the name. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite fizzing. <laughs> Was it's um it's great you know and it's it's a really easy to understand one as well and I just kind of wanted to share it in case you know there's someone out there that that might help them and you know they can discuss it with their healthcare professional or something and maybe it will help. Mm. What well, is it a different it understanding of like we we kind of understand pain to be the brain telling you there's something wrong with the structures of the body. What angle does Professor Mosley take? So his angle on it is it's I suppose you know, practice makes perfect. So if you experience chronic pain, which is anything, you know, over three months, um, that your body gets better at making pain or it becomes more sensitive to pain and pain is a protective mechanism. Mm. So not necessarily, like for acute injuries and stuff, yeah, definitely um, pain will help protect a part of your body that's damaged or, you know, to stop you moving it so it has time to heal. But when it's something chronic, it's just, the nerve cells that are in your spine and your brain kind of change structure a bit to become more sensitive to making pain. They're on constant alert, as it were. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's the way of explaining it, yeah. He focuses on, what, re-educating your body, is it? Yeah, basically just retraining that pain system that is in overprotective mode for you. And that can be, you know, as a multitude of different things, it can be for different people depending on what their, you know, situation is and what pain means to them. But yeah, that's kind of where I started. And that, honest to God, like it just turned everything around for me and made a huge, huge difference. TameTheBeast.org, worth noting. Now, you also dealt with someone called Adam Foster. Who's he? Yes, so Adam Foster is a guy in the UK. He's in um, near Newcastle, um, but he had a similar similar story. You know, had um, something happened to him a long time ago and struggled with chronic pain. Tried everything possible, you know, the the traditional ways of trying to fix stuff, and um, didn't work for him. And then I he developed his own, I suppose, rehab program people with chronic pain, fibromyalgia and a lot of the hypermobility syndromes like um, Ehlers-Danlos and things along those lines. Um, But I actually went over to him to do um, a rehab course with him for a couple of weeks and did half of it online and half of it over there with him Um, and that was a huge part of my recovery as well. What what did that involve? What does he do in a course like that? Um, So I suppose there's a, a mixture of it between um, physical therapy, just doing, you know, graded exercises, 
set off really easy and build it up that way. Um, there's a lot, I suppose, like talk therapy as well and understanding pain from a different point. So I think a lot of his work is probably influenced by um, yeah. Professor Mosley as well. Um, but I met a lot of people as well that had gone to do that course with them who would have been like in wheelchairs previously and because of chronic pain getting to a point where they can't move anymore and yeah. have been working with him for a while and massive improvements in their life as well. Excellent, excellent. So Keelan was talking yesterday about you know, the psychological approach to chronic pain. There's a lot there's a lot to that, isn't there? There is, and I think a lot more than what we would have previously understood. But there's there's so much research and fantastic studies being done on it now where they can they can prove the different parts of your brain that react to pain through functional MRI scans and everything as well. So mm. it's um you know, it's it's quite clear in black and white now that it does have a huge um impact on pain. So so how are you now? You're back at work and how is the pain? Do you have bad days and good days still or is it is it under control? It is, I would say most days it's under control. There's, there's even some days where I have no pain at all, which is, I never thought was even possible if I look back to a couple of years ago how things were. Um, but yeah, back to work full time, doing most of the things that um, I would have been doing before. Not really, pain isn't stopping me from doing things in a way, so. Yeah. And, and I think that in the depth of your pain, we probably wouldn't be able to have this conversation, I think. No, definitely not. And I know you probably understand yourself if you, you know, have a really bad pain day or if you, you know, just a really bad day, it's very hard to focus on yeah. anything. You know, never mind have a, a proper conversation with someone. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. I wish you well. I'm glad it's going so well for you. And tamethebeast.org is a website worth looking at. And, and Adam Foster, the fibro guy. Yeah. And of course, always talk to your own medical professionals when you're doing any of that. 100%. They're the, the best people to help guide you through all this. So, definitely. Re- Rebecca, I wish you well and thanks. Thank you so much, PJ. Have a great day. Yeah, Rebecca called us after talking to Keelan yesterday about the therapy approach to chronic pain. If you have a chronic pain story that you'd like to tell us, uh, then you know where we are. 0818969696. Over the weekend, pop us an email. Opinion at 96fm.ie. Back to the beaches. Uh, Aileen is at the Atlantic Offshore Adventures in Garrettstown. Morning, Aileen. Good morning. How are uh, you keeping? Great. I envy you. I'd say it is only stunning <laughs> down there this morning. It's absolutely beautiful. Couldn't ask for better at the moment. Yeah. Is there waves? No, it's a bit flat. We're hoping that we might get a little something over the weekend, but we'll we'll make do. Of course you do. Kayaks and other such things to get out on the water with. And a good exactly. old-fashioned so, swim as well. Oh, yeah. Good old dip to cool down, you know. Are there big crowds in Garrettstown these last couple of days? Yeah, it's been fairly packed now the last few days. Um, and same as uh, the Dock Beach as well, our other location for stand-up paddleboarding and kayaking as well. Both locations have been absolutely mobbed. It's great to see it. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Traffic difficult getting in and out, but once you get there, it's 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 worth the wait. Yeah, time. put on the patient hat and you'll get there. And same when you're going home, keep yeah. it on. <laughs> what what kind of things do you offer at Atlantic Offshore? So we offer uh, stand-up paddleboarding and kayaking mainly from the dock beach near Kinsale and then surfing, <clears throat> surfing when we have surf out at Guardstown. 
But at the moment, we're offering both stand-up paddleboarding and kayaking at both the locations, Garstown Beach and Dock Beach. Yeah, and the paddleboarding looks like an awful lot of fun. I've, I've never had the guts to try it, but it does look like an awful lot of fun. Oh, it's great crack. And we have um, a monster board as well down here at Garstown. So you can go out with a few of your mates and have a splash around and put up nearly to eight people on it. It's great crack. Very good. <laughs> yeah. And you've got all the gear and... It's it's safe. Like you're you're attached to these boards, aren't you? They're, they're, they're yeah, you're leashed on, and we have life jackets and buoyancy aids for everybody. Um, we have lifeguards on on duty, supervising everybody as well. So if you're out there for a rental, you're being watched and looked after the whole time. Excellent. And then for tours and for lessons, you're out with a guide and an instructor anyway. So yeah, yeah it's all safe. We're all looking after everything. And do we and then we have the, the main lifeguards are on the beach at Garstown as well. So yeah, and they're very busy down there. Do, and great to see us. Do we have to pre-book? No, you can rock on down. We've a surf bus. You can't miss us. And you can have a chat with the guys, and they'll get you kitted up and out in the water, and let you know what's the best area to go to and stuff like that. Now, are people leaving Garrettstown clean and tidy? Was it like this morning? Actually, it is pretty clean and tidy, and I'm hands down like the. The council guys are great. They've kept the bins and everything clean and tidy all summer. They're doing fantastic. a fantastic job. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it is. It's actually really clean at the moment, which is great to see. That's fabulous. Aileen, thanks. And have a good weekend. Aileen from Atlantic Offshore Adventures in Garrettstown. And that's good because, we're, look, we can criticise the council and say they're not getting to here, they're not going to there. And Tina was very cross about the state down in Claycastle but Mags also came back and said look and there's a good report from Garrettstown Mags is also saying Fountainstone uh, she's been down there a couple of mornings this week and it's been cleaned up every morning they're coming along early, they're emptying the bins, they're cleaning the beach and the place has been immaculate which is good to see but then then you say someone said Robert's Cove, yeah we we gathered two or three bags of rubbish off Robert's Cove this morning. It's not a big beach. What's wrong with people? Kieran says maybe maybe start adopting the Singapore strategy. Loads of bins combined with heavy fines and supported by actual enforcement. Could the council operate like other countries and empty the bins in the evening? Nah, they wouldn't pay the overtime, says Mark. But evening or early morning doesn't actually matter. But I've seen the early morning operation and it's very impressive. Elsewhere, of course. And by the looks of it, Garrettstown and Fountainstown has got a, an early morning operation here. Myrtleville, not so sure if I, anyone's down in Myrtleville, any of the Myrtleville swimmers were out this morning, was the pace cleaned up? People will be saying more bins, but maybe if a bin is full, just take the stuff home with you. Uh, that's from Cormac in Yall. Coming up after 10, why are so many kids packing in sport they take it so far and then they just pack it in and with back to school in a week or two's time I know there's a conversation being had in some houses ma'am I don't actually want to go back to to football after school or dad I don't really want to go back hurling I'm tired of it I don't want to do it I don't want to do Saturday morning anymore and they won't tell you why they'll just tell you that they don't want to do it Um, maybe there's a reason we're trying to figure out what that is after 10. On the cleaning of the beaches and facilities and council, PJ, the local authorities are not doing their job. What about public toilets? There's almost none of them in the city centre. They've just randomly decided they're not doing toilets anymore. And even the ones that are open in the English market aren't enough. 
And then a WhatsApp message. As you say, it's a civic responsibility. The local authority can only pay out so much for these services. It's a matter of national pride. I've said it's a two-pronged approach. I believe the county council has a responsibility to keep the beaches clean, to empty them early in the, er, empty the bins and replace the bin liners every morning at a time like this, every morning at first light. And if it costs more, it costs more. That's what you do. And you clean the beaches and you empty the bins morning and or evening at a time like this for the few days that's in it. But it's also our responsibility when we go to a beach to take our own stuff home to the best of our ability. It's, it's a two-pronged thing. If we both did our jobs, if the council did what we expect of them and paid taxes of them to do and rates for them to do, that'd be great. And if we did our job, it'd be even better. Like the people who took three bags of waste off Robert's Cove this morning, or Tina and her pal down in Clay Castle filling up two big bags of waste this morning. If the people who created that waste had actually taken all their waste home with them last evening, or at least brought it to a bin, and the bin was properly collected on time, then we wouldn't be even having this conversation. Why is it so surprising to people that we have to? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, coming up we're thinking about why it is that uh, so many youngsters... Having started a sport, it could be hurling a football or soccer or rugby or athletics or whatever they choose. They start it, they're full of enthusiasm, they love it, and then all of a sudden, they don't. And they stop. Uh, and we'd love them to continue with that sporting exploit, but they say, no, no, don't do it anymore. Why does that happen with so many youngsters? Uh, we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, Just a couple of things I want to clear first, though. Yesterday, we were talking to Sonia. Um, Or you heard me visiting. I I paid a visit to to Sonia's house earlier this week in in Balancolic. And I was there with herself and her mom and her dad, Jim, who has vascular dementia and needs a lot of help with every aspect of his day. And a month ago, they lost their care package. Um, Now, they'd been in difficulty with it for a while, but they lost it completely a month ago. And staffing is what's being blamed. And Sonia and her mum are doing their absolute best. But look, without the help, they can't. And if anything happens to either of them, what's going to happen to poor Jim? And that's with a long conversation with uh, with Sonia yesterday. And it prompted a response. It says, I've been listening to you, PJ, and you're wonderful interaction, those are kind words, your wonderful interaction with that lady and her mother looking after their elderly dad. I'm a nurse for the last 32 years and we've experienced the most difficult time in our careers over the last few years with COVID. And now the problem is staffing. Medics and nurses on the ground are sick of it. I don't mean the overpaid consultants 
If we were better recognised financially for what we do, more people would want to work in the health service and health care service. CAO applications are down by 37% this year for nursing. So even the young people are realising it's not a profession that they want to get into. Families need help at home. And yes, it saves the state millions of euros. But they'll keep them there and they won't provide. I'm telling you, if they paid home helps more and healthcare assistants and nurses and paid them all better, there'd be more people applying for those jobs. And as a result, there'd be more assistance available to families. The government need to recognise this. Where I work, get this, where I work, we still haven't got our €1,000 promised by the government. That was promised by the government in January. And I was listening to a piece on the radio the other day where I was shocked. to dis- There are 46,000 people deemed to have been eligible for that payment who still haven't had it, even though it was announced in January. That that's just, just wrong. It's just plain wrong. And you'd, you'd have to agree with that message there. That's, is it any wonder people are walking away from the professions? Is it any wonder that the applications to the CAO are down 37%. your WhatsApp voice notes always welcome at 083-396-9696 and whatever topic of conversation it is that we're talking about or indeed whatever's on your mind. And on the subject of litter and beaches, we got this. Hi PJ, perhaps if people weren't as filthy as they are and took their rubbish home, then there wouldn't be the problem. Cause and effect. And wouldn't you hate to see what kind their homes are? They must be filthy if that's what they're doing outside. Point that's often been made, actually. If you'll do that outside, what's your, your home actually like? Thank you. 0818969696. Now, as I said, lots of us love to see our children involved in sport of any kind or any kind of activity, but we'll focus on sport and be it soccer or hurling or football or tennis or hockey or athletics, whatever, rugby. They get into a sport, they go training on a Saturday, they go training after school, they have matches, they have practice, and they love it. And They're all full of enthusiasm. They've got the gear and the boots and the friends, and you're up with the crack of dawn of a Saturday morning driving them to training and whatever. And then all of a sudden they decide, I actually don't want to do that anymore. And a lot of them do. Why do they do it? Um, child psychotherapist Coleman Nocter has been writing about this uh, of late. Why do they do it? Why do so many kids walk away from sport? I've been talking to Coleman about it. So Coleman, we often hear parents talking about how their kids fall away from sport. Some are, as they say, very sporty and they're, they're, they're mad for road and they're mad for competition and they're mad for, for working hard. Others fall away. We'd prefer that they didn't. Do we know why so many of them just fall away? I think the main reasons why we see children dropping away from sport is that they feel that they're not sporty. And when you, when you dig into that, it's maybe more about them not being competitive a lot of young people around 13, 14, 15, where we see the biggest drop-off, they say that sport gets too serious, that there's, it's not fun anymore, um, and that it's more of a chore than an enjoyment. Um, and I've, I've spoken to a lot of young people more recently, and especially post-COVID, and we're trying to 
get social opportunities for that group. And they would say that, well, sport isn't really a social opportunity because when you're training, you're kind of told when you get there, like tune in lads and there's no messing and you can't be talking. And, you know, we need to, it's all about the match on Saturday, whatever the case would be. And others would say that the commitment to kind of training twice a week and a match at the weekend, if you're not willing to do that, if that's too much, well, then there's nothing else for you. And so the, the, the landscape seems to say that like, you either engage in this kind of competitive regime um, or else you don't play sport at all. And I think it's driving children to gyms and a lot of young people are going to gyms for their activity and, and, and exercise. And that's a very isolative activity. Um, and in other ways, we're driving them onto Xboxes and screens as well. So it's just something that I was interested in is whether the culture of children's sport could do it more of a menu of options for young people um, that would allow them to maintain movement and exercise uh, without and it's not necessarily I'm not against competitive sport I believe yeah. that has a role yeah. um, but I don't think there's no five-a-side culture for children I play sport I play five-a-side football and tag rugby a text goes around on the, the day before if you're ready if you want to go and you can make it you turn up if not you don't have to. If I had to play sport by going to training twice a week and every match every weekend, I wouldn't be able to do it either. Yeah. Um, and I just think maybe there's an opportunity for children to to have that if that was possible. Yeah. I guess every coach in, in a club is looking for the next great talent. Uh, and there he is, 14-year-old Johnny. God, he's magnificent with a hurley. Or, or Susan is brilliant with a football. She's a new emerging talent. Or Richard, God, he's great on his two feet. He'd make a great athlete, great runner. The coach is looking for those kids. Are they in danger of forgetting about the, the youngster who's just there because they love it and they want to plod along and they don't care if they never win a medal in their lives? Yeah, I mean, the indication is that 1% of children, child, child athletes will reach an elite level. But we have to see, are we investing time in the 1% at the cost of the 99? Do you know what I mean? From that point of view. And every, like I coach football. It's, it's lovely to coach a kid who's really engaged and tuned in and wants to win and, and is listening to your every word. And you know, they're, they're far more kind of, they're kind of ego driven. So, and this is another thing, children, I think coaches believe that every child wants to win and that that's, of course, children like winning more than losing. I'm not saying that, but it's not the sole motivating factor. People, children join sport to meet their friends, to have fun and to learn a skill. There are, of course, a percentage who are in there for the prizes, but in fact, sometimes I think the, the winning means more to the coach than it does to the children. And, and I would say that if you asked any 12-year-old to go out and play a football match and said, you're guaranteed to lose this match this afternoon, do you still want to go? 99% of them would still want to go. Would you, you know, think so, yeah. Activity. Um, and, and so from that point of view, I think, you know, sometimes adult-led activities can sometimes take the fun out of things. Um, and all the, the problems with children's sport around silent sidelines and abusive referees, that's all the grown-ups. That's not the yeah. children causing that. Um, and I, I think there is... There's, I, I, it was based on, the article was based on, on a, a friend of mine, Shane Smith, who's a sports scientist, and he was saying about coaching teens that as soon as the child turns 12 to 13, we believe we have to do laps and drills and long team talks, and it almost it imposes a kind of an adult model. And children don't, there's no switch goes off between 12 and, 12 and 13 where you say, I'm not, I'm not in for fun anymore. Um, children still need to enjoy things well up into their late teens and 20s. And then maybe the elite 
stuff comes into it. But um, again, I, I wonder if that's driving more children away from the game than it is um, in attracting the, the kind of ego-driven children into it. I remember discussing previously the idea that you'd have kids' games where no one kept score and everybody won because there was no score on the board. Have you thoughts on that? I, I don't know if it's that extreme of you. Like, I, I, when I do my five-a-side, I'm competitive in that hour. Like, I want to win for that hour. But the commitment is just for that hour. And I think if there wasn't, like, just because, you know, I, I don't think it's everyone wins and everyone wins a prize. And I, I think, don't think it has to go to that extreme. It's really about the commitment, you know, mm. the, the, the commitment to turn up and, and have that hour. Like, if you did, my solution would be, you know, you rent an Astro pitch and... 10 kids turn up, you give them five bibs each, they play the match and then they go home and if they can make it next week, they can. You know, so that there's an ability for children to, maintain, to have a buy-in that doesn't involve such a huge commitment and isn't about that. But I, I still think like the competitiveness of the hour, like even av- very average players still enjoy the competition. Like I'd be a very average golfer, but I still, when I'm out there, I want to do my best. Do you know what I mean? But uh, I think it's it's not so much diluting it into nothing. And again, I, I'd be accused of being oh woke and all this sort of stuff, and we're taking all these kind of challenges away from children. I don't believe that for a second. I just think mm. that there should be a menu of options for children who maybe don't want, aren't able to commit to the high, and especially for exam students. You know, a lot of students are told. You know, it's your hurling or your leaving cert. You make a choice and coaches turning them away because they can't commit to the, the, the full commitment of it. Um, I, I'm not so sure that's uh, in any way... And also the case of the late developer. Yeah. You know, if you retire a child from sport at 10 because you don't think they're good enough... I, I used a phrase in the, in the column that children are like popcorn kernels. You know, they, they pop at different times. Right. You know, they're all under the same conditions. But you could have a kid at 13, 14... Who's struggling when 17 they hit a growth spurt and now they're kind of they're, they're a real leading light and yeah. I just think we need to have the patience to stick with those children and a culture that welcomes them even though they may not be forming at, at yeah. that level and but I do think the comp- competition part is part of the enjoyment uh, it's not about removing competition it's more about removing commitment how important is it Coleman just on a general psychological level that children have something to go to to meet friends and to have Let's call it what it is, organized play. How important is that? Oh, it's hugely important. I mean, I think from the last two years, we see that, you know, these children, that, that 13 to 16 age group are really, really struggling to self-initiate and make up, like meet up after school and have these kind of, like, because they've gone from the play dates and sleepovers to now being expected to do it. And they've completely lost that skill of, of meeting up. This, we're all social beings. We need connection. We need to have fun. We need to have an engagement in it. But also the movement and exercise is crucially important at that age to release endorphins, to, you know, to, to actually increase your well-being and your fitness. Like there's, there's so much for your mental health. That's, and all there's buckets of research that says this really helps us to feel better. And I just think by excluding children from having that opportunity, we're missing a trick in terms of them developing anxiety and mood issues later on in life that perhaps could be uh, diluted by having a, a sporting outlet in yeah. their life. We went through two very tough years. The, the, young, the young people in particular went through very tough years. They couldn't get out, they couldn't meet, they couldn't socialise, they couldn't play a game of ball. And going forward, do we have to take particular care of that cohort and watch them for problems that might otherwise not have happened w- without that break in their social life? 
Oh, 100%. And, and the 16-year-old the of 2022 is not the same as the 16-year-old in 2019. You know, they, it has taken its toll. They are. And, and what we have to do is, is meet them where they're at rather than where we want them to be. You know, and, and I think we see that. I, I teach in third level. And I can tell you that the first and second years who did their first year from their box room are not at the same level as first and second years. Just socially, emotionally, they've yeah. missed out on so many of those developmental steps, which aren't automatically visible at the time. They only emerge after the fact, and I, I think we're kind of seeing that. So these opportunities for children to, to make up for lost time socially, emotionally, they're really, really important. And I, and I can't stress how important they are for, for those young people to try and, as I say, make up for what they have lost. And coming back finally again to sport, we're coming into a new school year. Uh, maybe Johnny doesn't want to go back to hurling after school. How does a parent maybe probe it a little bit and, and find out why? Yeah, again, I'd always say to parents, judge how your child is when they're coming off the field, not when they're going. You know, from the point of view of lots of children will, will have anticipation anxiety. I don't really want to go. You know, the hardest part of, of going to the gym is getting from the couch to the car. Yeah. You know, once you're there, it's actually okay. And so, you know, judge them coming out. If they're coming out of it and they've enjoyed it, then continue to probe and, and push. But if they're coming out of it in tears and saying, I really hated that, that wasn't for me, then I wouldn't be pushing it. And try and find their tribe elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? And one of the things I'd say is, you know, the, the summer camp culture, the cool camps and all these things that we've seen, I've no children who love that. They actually enjoy that yeah. because there's no real commitment. Whereas the training in the the, the rainy nights in November and doing laps uh, isn't maybe for them. And then, and I just I think a a twelve month summer camp type option might be one way to go to help them. Coleman, thank you for being with me today. Pleasure. Child psychotherapist Dr. Coleman Nocter. Some interesting thoughts in there. What about your own children? Are they mad into the sport? Or have they walked away from it? Maybe because it's just that little bit too competitive. Do you really need to be competitive at seven, eight, and nine? Is it time enough to start competing when you're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14? Or are some kids desperately competitive at six? I don't know, are they? Once a child starts hurling a football at five or six, says this message, it's all about winning and competing. It's no longer fun. So by the time they reach their teens, they're burnt out. They should only have friendly matches with local teams. They also shouldn't have to travel miles to matches. Sometimes they might be going an hour each way. That's ridiculous. Their parents also have had enough by teenager stage. They should only start competing properly at 12 when they'd be old enough to take a bit of pressure. And then someone calls it phone zombie addiction. Big reason for our sports dropout. Phones affect everything in life. Just, it interrupts work, it interrupts music. Everything is a victim due to kids becoming too lazy. It's much easier to sit in your arse looking at your phone all day, every day, says this message. Parents who don't at least attempt to reduce this phone zombie culture... Need a kick in the arse, says Noel. Thank you, Noel. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we've had a query from a listener in relation to Garda vetting and how long it takes to get yourself Garda vetted. This person has lost a job, partly as a result of that. So how long does it take to get yourself gathered vetted? What's your own experience? 0818 96 96 96. It's a few years now since I had to be gathered vetted for anything. I was gathered vetted for the Lions Club, I think it was, back in the day. And it takes a while. It does take a while. 0818 96 96 96. What music do your children like? When they're in their room, what are they playing? When they're in the car, what are they playing? If you if you make the ultimate sacrifice of allowing them have the Spotify when they're in the car, what are they playing? Pat, Pat Fitzpatrick, how old is this child who decided to play an ACDC album in the car? Ten, PJ. Ten? She's ten. Yeah, Highway to Hell. I, I was on the Highway to Hell driving along on holidays listening to ACDC. <laughs> now, my son is into heavy metal, but he's 24. But Yeah, it, no, no. It, it's How does a 10-year-old discover this? Well, you see, this is the thing. She told me, it was kind of funny. She initially said she started playing Highway to Hell on holidays. And then she, the other day, again, she she got the phone and, and we were chatting and she put it as we were driving along and she put on um, another song by a band called Five Finger Death Punch. We'll get back to that later. Uh-huh. But I said to her, how they're called Five Finger Death Punch and the song is called Not My Kind. And the song isn't, and I, uh, um, I go back to that later because <laughs> that's when I was kind of going, what is she listening to? But she said she likes heavy metal. She, um, have you ever seen, a, you probably haven't, a cartoon called Teen Titans Go? No, I can't say I it is hilariously funny. It's kind of aimed at everybody. It's a bit bold. The music is good and it. Our kids loved it about two year or two ago. And she said that's when she first started hearing heavy metal stuff. And now, of course, Spotify. She's got Spotify and she's in a kind of a world of discovery. Um, and she just put in, and it's lovely, she put in clean heavy metal. So she didn't want to hear any curses. And up came Highway to Hell. And so we were driving along in France this year listening to Highway to Hell. And would you be into the old rock and roll yourself, Pat? Maybe rock and roll, no, but not the headbanging, PJ. Like, I, I never, I remember back in school, it was kind of, 
I was school kind of mid eighties. That's when you know ACDC still would have been huge then. Obviously, and mm-hmm. and so bands like Metallica were you know, but Black Sabbath even would have been. And there was there was a kind of a gang of people who were into them. Right. wore the jackets and the badges and brought the LPs in and they had long hair and I couldn't understand them and you, you, if you went to a, a disco then there'd be a heavy metal set they would you'd get a whole they, lot of Rosie they would yeah a whole lot of Rosie you'd get yeah. the highway to hell yeah, um, yeah. you'd push people around there was like a kind of a mosh there was there was certainly wasn't a place it wasn't a romantic moment I'd say but when <laughs> the you slow were, set was a straight after when it. you were 10 Pat what were you into the monkeys probably and at ABBA yeah, um, my, my, yeah, like my father arrived home. I remember for my sister and his birthday, like when we would have been about seven or eight, arrived home with Abba Arrival, I think, or one of those LPs. And of course, I said, it was brilliant looking back on it. You know, the way you, you, you liked it then. And then, of course, you have to stop liking it because Abba weren't cool in the 80s. Yeah. And now, of course, we're all back liking Abba again. Yeah. But it would have been, and it, there was there was a thing called Top of the Tots. So do you remember there was, there was, there was an LP called Top of the Pops? I do. And it would have been kind of a naked woman on the front of it. And I remember walking past a shop on the Grand Parade and it would be out there in the, in the, in the window. Which, I don't know, was she quite naked? Not she was quite. naked enough for the, for the 1980s. Like. She was naked um, in the 1980s, yeah, that's right. And so and there'd be a new one every month. You'd be kind of excited looking out for the new ones. But then Top of the Tots was obviously the cleaner version. That's so then you'd have Shwaddy Waddy and the Basie Rollers would, would all be on there. So all that kind of foolishness. Yeah, but you don't expect your 10-year-old to, to start. No. You, you say, right, here you are, love. Open Spotify and play what you want. Yeah. You would expect it and maybe in fairness, Westlife or something. Yeah, you see, well, you don't, you've no, like your kids are never going to, they're like cats, they're never going to do what you want them to do. So the, we, we try and play the music that we might have liked and they kind of go, eh, mainly because correctly enough, we didn't like the music our parents liked, you know, it yeah. just, you didn't. Um, and, you know, for them, it's a, it's a, as much about control and power in a good way, I think. Now I will say, like, so we got a, we got Spotify a lot of the songs they like, particularly my son likes a lot of kind of songs based on Minecraft. Again, you're probably not aware that there's a whole oh, yeah. genre of songs about Minecraft. They're pretty good songs about Minecraft, but they're about Minecraft, um, about video games. And he likes that. And a lot of those weren't available on kids' Spotify. So we've given them adult Spotify. Um, and then we've found we've had to... Uh, put in the no bad content or no un- un- inappropriate content. We hadn't put that filter in. We were asked some interesting questions about uh, love. <laughs> yeah, tell me more about five finger death punch. Yes. Yeah, so what I would think is, like Spotify might want to look at their algorithm because my daughter put in clean heavy metal and back came five finger death punch a song called um, Not My Kind. So, no, it's one of those kind of death metal songs. I think the whole, you're not supposed, it's not a home along classic. Like, it's a kind of a, you know, modulated voice roaring angrily. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, door, that's obviously her. Sorry? It's like politics. Yes, exactly. Mm. Exactly. You know, you've been inclined to turn it off in the same way. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd let her go with it at the moment because she's 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 experimenting. She also she's the latest thing she's listening to now is Otis Redding. No, you know, so uh, she's kind of that's classy. But you see, she's she's at that age where she just likes what she likes. Yeah. You know, you get to your teenage years and you start liking what your friends like, and you kind of watch what you like. And you go, I can't just say I like this or I should like yeah. this. But she's totally at the moment just kind of hoovering up whatever's put in front of her. It's great. It's lovely, and I'd be inclined to just let her go oh, with it, if it do, even if it does involve it. Uh, it, 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 it shows very broad taste and stuff like that. You know, 
Ah, she would have got that from her father, PJ. You know the way it is. So I, I wonder, is there any parent listening to us, Pat, who has ever come across five finger death punch? A death punch. I would. They are. I looked them up actually, and they're like they're fairly well established. I don't know. I, I'm going to make myself sound stupid now because I don't know if they're death metal or some. They're some kind of metal or new metal or one of them. But um, they are that kind. Of, but you know, I I will say this about heavy metal because I knew like. I always thought the kind of metalers were, were kind of the crazies. But looking back on it now, they weren't actually. A lot of them were quiet people. Yeah. And the, the music was their expression. Like, you know, they kind of they expressed themselves through headbanging. And I particularly knew two guys who would travel to see really obscure, when I was older, really obscure kind of death metal bands in Dublin on a Tuesday night, coming home at two o'clock. And they were the two quietest guys I ever met. You know, lovely, quiet, polite guys. So, Yeah, a few you know. a few years ago, one of those bands was booked for the marquee. I think it was Slayer or some one of right. those. And, I yeah. did, and when you went down, the the queue was full of like bankers and, and lawyers. Oh, and totally. Pe- people with yes. responsible yeah. jobs. <laughs> that's, but that's, it is, it's kind of, it's safe white guy music, really. Um, and it's got, and you know, I, I don't know that, as long as she's listening to Otis Redding as well, uh, yeah. she, can, she can go with it. And I, I, you know, she, we, we, we did a video of her actually dancing to Highway to Hell the other night and she has all the moves and it's like, she, I don't think she's seen the video. I think she just kind of, under, oh. like heavy metal has a, a real energy to it oh, and she Pat, gets that. Keep, keep that for her 21st. Keep that. Oh yeah, no, it's already, <laughs> it's on the slide. It's it's already loaded mm. in the, in the, in the pack, I yeah. Mean, I wonder is. what other uh, what other uh, people have come across their kids listening to surprising music, shall we say? Music well, you, you know, y- y- yeah, I, 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 that's a you. I couldn't remotely predict what she's always like. Paul Simon, for instance, lovely, uh, and then she likes Ariana Grande, you know, and Julie and all those kind of people as well. That you know, that you'd kind of more expect her to, to like a ten year old girl to like. Yeah. Um, but, but it's great, you know, it's great so, to see a broad taste. It's fantastic to see a broad taste. Come here, you. I love it. The Everyman. Yeah. It worked out very well for but, Reggie, so well that he's back. Reggie is back. I have another four dates. We're doing it again in early October. If you missed it the first time, or even if you saw it the first time, it's good crack, hopefully. So, yeah, we think we're doing kind of up to the Wednesday to the Saturday, the, is it the 5th to the 8th, I think, of October, uh, tickets on sale. So I wonder if the people it. of Ballon Colling <laughs> forgiven you yet, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> they, if they haven't, they should come along, and maybe that's the best way. Together we can heal. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Pat Fitzpatrick, <laughs> otherwise known as Reggie, Black Rock Road, uh, thank you for that. And he's written about this in the, in, in the paper. Um, it just... What kind of music are your kids into? And when you let them loose on Spotify, what are they calling up? I remember when my lad was about, and he's music mad. He is just music mad. And his knowledge of music at the age he's at would leave me in his dust when I was that age. And I was working professionally as a DJ when I was the age he is now. And his knowledge of music would leave me in his dust. But I was passing his bedroom, ah, maybe six or seven months ago. And I heard a tune wafting out of his little system. It was a Dan Fogelberg tune, which you may or may not have heard of. You may not not have heard of him. You certainly may not have heard of the tune. But I just said, my work here is done. (laughs) What's the... 
weirdest thing you've ever heard your children listening to, though. I think Pat, we can't do much different, much better than Pat with five finger death punch, but we'll see. Although, Maureen, when you were growing up, it was probably, was it Nathan Carter in your house? <laughs> Hey, do you know what Nathan Carriger probably only came on the scene as I got a bit older, PJ. So, but very much like Daniel O'Donnell, it was always oldies and Irish. And I remember like Saturday mornings going down swimming and the old tunes be blaring out of the car. Like, so I grew up around it. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. you now, busy day and night ahead of us, uh, Maureen. So we said we'd catch up on, as it were, for a while, all things Westlife. Now, road closures and preparations for the surrounding areas to start with. Yeah, so there the inner cordon is is actually in place now, PJ. It's in since ten AM this morning. So that covers the the areas I suppose immediately around Parky Cueve. So the likes of Maryville, Black Rock Road, Park Avenue, Ardfoyle Avenue, and then Centre Park Road and Monaghan Road, but from the link road that connects the two of them, which would be where you pass right in front of life at the marquee. So there's some checkpoints around there with the guards. They're doing kind of soft access so residents obviously can get through. And um, but residents who are moving in and out today across the day and tomorrow as well they're asked just to have you know proof of residency because some of the guards that might be on patrol today they mightn't be so familiar with some of the residents so it's just for ease of access just to to bring that with you and have it with you so that you can get in and out across the day um the, the next part, the, the cordon will be coming in then from around lunchtime and then from 5pm there's the full lockdown you know, it covers all Centre Park Road Monaghan Road, just, and again it's for the safety of people who are walking down to Parky Cueve this evening because the gates do open at 6 mm. and the first support act is from 6.30, uh, which is while due to Emily Sunday from half 7 and then the lads themselves from half 8. You know what PJ, it's called the Wild Dreams Tour so it's, it's going to be fairly wild. It sounds like a lively show. <laughs> now, the lockdown, as you call it, that's very strict. And I know you've been talking to the guards about how strict it's going to be. I have been. I've been speaking to Inspector James Hallahan and we, we got talking about the parking situation. And uh, I think you have a, have a clip have. there from the inspector. Around lunchtime, one to two o'clock, we'll go into full lockdown in the inner cordon. And then the outer cordon, again, we will do a kind of a soft... Um, checkpoints from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock onwards with a full lockdown in place at 5 o'clock. Uh, again, we would advise people that uh, who have parking tickets, uh, disabled parking um, in the, the marquee or there's also a car park within the confines of the outer cordon. Again, we would ask to be in place uh, around the 5 o'clock mark once pedestrian traffic is very busy on the road then obviously enough we will be restricting cars going down onto Monaghan Road and Centre Park Road uh, very much because for pedestrian safety. Um, so again, look, that's that's the normal thing that we have for events and games down below in Parking Eve as well. It's just it's pedestrian safety and we will limit traffic certainly from five o'clock onwards. Getting in and out is going to be difficult, but mostly it's going to be people are going to have to go down on foot, aren't they, Murray? The RPG, and I suppose the main message, and, and Inspector Hallahan said this to me yesterday, the main message here, the weather is so hot. There is a bit of a walk there, but make sure that you're hydrated. Have your sun cream on, you know, wear your sun hat. Because he said if people don't, you know, follow those kind of guidelines, they could be dealing with some uh, medical emergencies on the way down to Parky Cueve if people aren't hydrated. Because the heat, it, it would get you. We wouldn't be so used to, to heat of this, of this much. So the advice there, drink plenty of fluids, 
I suppose, water and uh, sunscreen. And it's so important just to protect yourself there yeah. from the sun as it, well. You know, It is most unusual, isn't it, when we are talking about a concert in Cork that we could be looking at people suffering heat exhaustion. Like, it really <laughs> is it. unusual. I'm usually, I'm usually telling people you can't bring big umbrellas into the stadium. So it's a, it's a total turnaround this time for, for Cork, but it's lovely. And I'm sure it's going to make it all the more fun that we'll be able to bask in that sunshine. But it's just so important to, to take those precautions and to mind yourself. And, you know, allow yourself time to get to the venue. There's no need to be in yeah. a rush. You know, take it all in as you're going down and enjoy the atmosphere. Soak it up. And there's two great support acts. I mean, Wild Youth are fantastic. Emily Sandy's unreal. And then, you know, the, the big event with, with Westlife. It's going to be brilliant. And like, this concert, you know, was announced back in 2019 and the lads were down in Parky Cueve that time. They announced one gig, then they added a second and then it was just all pulled and then yeah. it was rescheduled to last year. Then it was pulled again and, and now it's, it's here for 2022 and it's fantastic. I mean, I've been talking to like the Hotels Federation and the publicans and, you know, they're seeing the CBA and they're all looking forward to it. It's bringing a great boost to, to Cork City and then, you know, married with Iron Man down in Yall, like there's so much it's a huge uh, happening in Cork. This Cobra Gatta's on this weekend. It's just so, there's just That's so much it. happening. But you know, it's fantastic. Tickets that were originally bought for 2020 because there were one of the big Christmas presents of 2019 were tickets for Westlife 2020 those tickets are still valid and will still be accepted Absolutely they are yeah so you just bring the tickets that you got first day and uh, and that you'll get in with them no problem at all so yeah I think people have been uh, counting down it's been it's been a long few years waiting for this gig and like Westlife have been playing in a few places there of late Wembley they were playing in Dublin like they've been fantastic and I've been I was flicking through TikTok the other day and you keep coming across videos of them singing ABBA so like you never know what you're going to get like you well, know they did have a great. big hit years ago with an ABBA, an ABBA song I'm damned if I can remember which one it was was, but I remember playing a gig in town around Christmas time. It was a Christmas gig, and I played the ABBA version. And yeah. someone came up to me and gave out yards and said, "Will I ever play the original?" <laughs> oh, career! They're brilliant. They're brilliant showmen. Like you know, and yeah. it was funny. I was listening back to some of that press conference in 2019, and like they're 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 so giddy, and they, they seem to get on so well with each other. Like Nicky Byrne was on about he used to play soccer for Cove Ramblers, That's right, and. Uh, and Mark, he played tennis for Connacht. He played down in Douglas, so they were sharing all their court connections. And Shane Filan was in Fota yesterday with his family. So, you know, they're really soaking it up. They're, they're, they're enjoying nice Cork. And, they're a, yeah, very, they're uh, a very nice I'm bunch of lads. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah. it should be a great, a great no gig. Tomorrow. Great gig, <laughs> great atmosphere. And as well, thanks, Maureen, for that. To, to repeat one more time, if you need blue badge access, and this was a bit of a disaster at Elton John. There's no two ways about it because people didn't understand the situation. Now we've clarified it. And it's not down to the promoter. It's not down. If you have a blue badge on your car and you want to go to Westlife, you have a ticket for Westlife, put a blue badge on the car, you need to contact MCD. You need to email them. They will come back to you. Access at mcd.ie or indeed local resident, resident at mcd.ie. Tell them you want to go. Tell them you have a blue badge and they will sort you out and you will then be able to park your car in the Marquis car park, but the blue badge isn't enough to get you down there. I don't know why. I don't know why. It just isn't. A bunch of stuff coming in about uh, children and the music that they listen to and the surprises that they give their parents. I get to them 
in a little while. Just one last thing on Westlife before I go to the Ironman in Yall, which is a huge one this weekend. Buses. There are three bus services that will get you down close to Parky Cueve. The 202 or the 202A goes from town every 10 minutes and stops in Ballon Temple. And Ballon Temple is where you need to get off and you just walk down the road to Parky Cueve. The same goes for the 212 route from Kent Station to Mahan Point, And that also serves Ballon Temple. Both Aaron are asking that people use leap cards if they have them or if possible bring the exact fare when you're getting on the bus. Now to uh, East Cork and, and, and the Ironman in Yall. A huge weekend down there. Councillor Mary Linehan Foley. Mary, there must be thousands of people in. It didn't happen in 2020. It didn't happen last year. But my goodness, it's back with a vengeance now. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great altogether. Great weekend. Good, good. Great weekend. Great weekend. Listen, the town is just buzzing and it's been buzzing the last four or five days. There's visitors, there's athletes, the locals, everybody is just buzzing around the place, PJ. It's it's something, I suppose, that we were expecting um, a crowd, but this is after blowing us all away. It's unbelievable down here in East Cork at the moment. I remember the 2019 event going down and, and doing a bit of a feature on it for the programme. And then the weather was atrocious that weekend. Now, they battled on regardless. But then 2020, it got pulled. Isn't it fantastic to have a glorious weekend's weather ahead of us for this? We couldn't have asked for better. We certainly couldn't have asked for better. And, um, you know, it's just, it makes all the difference, BJ, as you know yourself, if you're having festivals or events, if you have the weather, that brings the crowd. And it certainly has done so in y'all. Because even yesterday, I was going downtown myself to have a look around the Ironman village. They have a village set up in Dolphin Square. The finish line is down by the clockade. So the whole centre of town is pedestrianised from today on. And like the buzz of the athletes around um, is just something else. It's it's just great to see it for for y'all and for the East Cork area, PJ. We certainly deserve it after the last number of years, you know. There are three events on. There's one today, which is Iron Kids. There's one tomorrow, which is Ironman 70.3. And then the big yep. one is Sunday. What time does it all start yep. on Sunday? It all starts at 6 a.m. The swim starts at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning down at the front strand in y'all. And like, I suppose the one tonight is a special one because um, the Iron Kids, so it's great to have the kids involved. It's opening it up for the younger kids and they have the finish line specially set up with Iron Kids as well, similar to the main Iron Man finish line. So it's exciting. But everything kicks off tomorrow morning at 6 and Sunday morning at 6. And the best place to watch it, if you want to watch the road race or you want to watch the bikes, where's the best place to go? Well, the best place I would imagine for the swim would certainly be... um, along the lighthouse hill there in y'all because they'll be coming around from the front strand into Green Hole across from the Walter Alley and they'll be coming out of the water there getting on the bikes in Green Park and then continuing out to do the cycle but I think the best part of all will be Windmill Hill PJ to be honest because that is as they're calling it here in y'all this week Heartbreak Hill it's some hill to try and go up on a bike to walk up that hill to be honest is is tough going never mind not down it. Yes. Oh, no, up. Oh, God. Yeah, up. Oh, good and Lord. And that's the big one. That's the big one. And the last two 
two years ago, two and a half, three years ago, um, with the rain and the wind and everything else that was there. The crowds of locals that came out and stayed out in the rain just to cheer them going up that hill because some of them crawl carrying their bikes, some of them walk, some of them cycle. And like that is the place to be is the top of Windmill Hill yeah, or along the hill. That's that's where you'll sort out the iron from the chaff, as it were, yes. on that yes. one. Well, yes. a great weekend had by all, huge setup, the massive crowds and, a great, and great to see it. Can I just bring something up, Mary, that came up on the programme earlier on this morning? And that is the cleaning of the beaches during this wonderful weather. We had a call from Claycastle Beach and how, how? what is the story with beaches being cleaned? Are there er, early connections of bins and extra bins being put out? There is. There's a, Like last night I went down for a swim myself and a lot of the bins were um, full below there and I was on to the council this morning. They're on double they're on double shifts all over this weekend and even into August, PJ, to be honest, they do come out early in the morning. But unfortunately, what happens sometimes is they empty the bins at maybe half six, seven in the mornings and then they're full again within an hour or two because sometimes people will put their domestic rubbish into them. And that's a problem we're having all over the county. But look, I can guarantee you the bins will be emptied and they'll be emptied every few hours for this weekend to make sure we can showcase the whole of East Cork area and the beach area more in particular. So look, I saw this last night myself, there was bags of rubbish left beside bins. And like I would have been encouraging people, if the bin is full, try and take your rubbish away or find another bin. We have 55 bins in y'all, PJ, from the beach area okay. all in along. You know, so we're not short of bins by no means. Okay. But there are extra bins for this weekend. Okay, thanks for that. That's uh, Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley. Have a great weekend if you're down in Yall. Either for the Ironman or going to see the Ironman. And if you're taking part in the Ironman, welcome. And the best of luck to you. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966 966. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Busy last hour today. Already 24 degrees. It is going to be like totally scorchio before the gig kicks off. Well, actually, wasn't it a really hot evening last evening? And I mean, compared to having been in holidays a couple of weeks ago in Tenerife, the evenings were very hot. Last evening was as hot an evening as I've experienced anywhere at any time. And it was it was lovely to sit out in the garden at 10 o'clock at night and just be nice and warm and there in a t-shirt we don't have only have it for a few days let's enjoy it and it'll be a great atmosphere for Westlife this evening and tomorrow evening because the weather is going to hold until Sunday we're told on the beaches and the cleanliness of the beaches still some of your comments coming in Quivine says it's the same problem every year the Lee feels the same it's a council problem they know well certain areas need extra maintenance during the summer months that's the point and Paul says when this happens they normally blame Joe Public and they say take your rubbish home but they're getting taxpayers money for this 
It's a public area. The onus is ultimately on the council to keep it clean. And you are correct, Paul. The onus is on the council to keep it clean. But what about the two-tiered approach that I was talking about, the two-pronged approach? Yes, it's down to the council to keep the place clean. Of course it is. But it's also kind of down to us to to, to do our bit too. Or, or am I wrong? Am I the only person who thinks that's a kind of a civic duty? Or did I learn that as a seven-year-old? I, I remember having an experience as a seven-year-old. And I'll tell you for now, I was only a, a lad. Maybe I was a little older than seven, but I certainly wasn't much. I certainly wasn't what most I was, was 12. Regardless, I was in town one day. I remember being in, buying something. So I would have been 12 or 13 in town on my own. And I was eating a packet of crisps and waiting for the bus. And like I did, I went to put the wrapper in the bin, completely missed the bin, and the wrapper fell. And as you do, I ignored it. And I walked away from it. And I felt a tap on my shoulder. There was a man in a blue uniform, not a guard, a warden. And he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Oi, you... See that? Pick that up. I said, what? He said, pick that up and put it in the bin properly. And he said, if you do that again, he said, I'll fine you. And I thought, okay, fine. And I apologised, I was sorry. I said, okay, I picked up the bin. And from that day to this, I learned a lesson. I've never, ever dropped litter. Well, intentionally. If something inadvertently falls out of my pocket, I can't control that. But I've never intentionally dropped litter or never walked away from litter. And I learned that as a very small boy. A little bit of personal responsibility. The, the, the council would empty the bin, but it was up to me to put the thing into the bin in the first place. I'll come back to that because there's still more coming in. But I want to play you some brand new music. Very exciting new music. And I spent the morning and most of last evening going through this girl's Instagram and watching her videos. Lads, we have an extraordinary talent developing in Cork right now. Have a listen to this. The multi-instrumental production talent of Cork's Darian O'Shea, otherwise known as Darian June. And I spent a lot of enjoyable time on your Insta last night and this morning, Darian you got something special, Hi. girl. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you so much. What an introduction. Was all, was all of this done in your bedroom? It was, yes. Um, I had COVID at the time and I had nothing else to do. I was locked away for two weeks in my room and I was like, okay, I need to just put all of my lack of energy <laughs> into writing. And I, I made that song uh, in my room at home. <laughs> so it's all done at home in the room. The instrumentation, yeah. the mixing, the voice. The, wow. Wow. Yeah, all done at home. <laughs> and you're no that that's it's not your first effort. You've been making making tunes for a while. Where did it all start, Gary? And tell us about yourself. Well, so I've been singing and writing music since I was a kid and I started doing piano when I was around seven. And, you know, throughout secondary school, I kind of did music still. I was very much, I was very quiet, so I didn't really push myself as much as I wish I did. And then when I was 18, I decided to go to music college, the Cork School of Music. And I really just like thrived there. I got into production even more and 
was writing and gigging and singing and just found a lot of confidence in myself. And earlier this year, I released my first song with the CSM label. And that was really, that was such an amazing experience. And I was like, do you know what? I actually want to, I want to keep releasing music and I, I want to do stuff like on my own but as an independent artist. So um, this is my, my first song as Darian June and I, I'm so happy with it. <laughs> well, as I said, it, you've also got a big break. It, it's it's hard for a new artist to break these days. And no, no doubt about it. You've got a massive break with Spotify. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, um, so the song released last Friday. And, you know, I didn't really expect much from it, really. I mean, I was happy that it was out and it was finally not on my laptop anymore and just kind of out for the like my friends and family to enjoy. And I came home from work and I was just checking to see how the song was doing and, you know, reading off messages and stuff. And I noticed on my profile, it said um, feature, um, featuring Darian June on New Music Friday UK. And oh. that's like a massive, it's a massive playlist Huge. from Spotify that they curate. With yeah. tens of thousands <laughs> of followers. Yeah, I think something like ridiculous, like 800,000, something like mad, really yeah. mad. And I still can't get my head around it. It's it's bizarre to me. And the but, way it works um, yeah, is... I, I couldn't believe it. The people who follow the playlist, because I follow one or two playlists as well, but the people who follow the playlist, every time it's updated, it's pushed to their notifications. So 800,000 people are getting to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's bonkers. You made it in your bedroom, and that's bonkers. Oh, it's it's bizarre. I mean, I've gotten, like, messages from people around the place because it's such a huge playlist, and it's kind of predominantly, like, UK, Irish artists. But, I mean, people from, like, as far as, like, the Philippines and, like, America have gotten in touch being like, oh, my God, I, I found your song, you know, through New Music Friday. And, you know, it's just, it's so cool. Like, I cannot get over it. Yeah. Who are your influences? Because you sound like a lot of different people. Who are your influences? Yeah. So my influences, I love Charlie XCX. I mean, I idolize her. She's like electro pop, hyper pop. Mm. And so that kind of, she kind of definitely like is a huge inspiration for me, especially with my production. I love Remy Wolf. I love Love. Like a lot of like modern um, pop artists are, are hugely like like my big, but they're my inspiration really. And yeah. I suppose like you know, I didn't come from like. A, a musical background but my parents always had like that Fleetwood Mac on in the car or Shania Twain or just you know really like powerful female um, like, like Stevie Nicks was like one of my like idols as Stevie a kid. Nicks <laughs> an icon yeah. Probably, was one. yeah I was looking at some of your, your older vids on, on, on your gram this morning and, and last night and I heard there's a shades of Billie Eilish in there there's it, you're just gonna I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I didn't even know who you were until I opened <laughs> my Instagram and I know how influential that playlist is I'm absolutely thrilled for you Thank you so much. No, it's as I it's completely new to me as well. I mean, it's bizarre, but I'm so so grateful, and it's just like having the support from like family and friends is amazing. But having that extra support is just like amazing for such like a small artist like myself. Yeah. You know the instruments that you do. Um, did you start <laughs> with the instruments, or were you messing around on the tablet and the computer before you started adding the instruments to it? So, like, for writing it, I guess, 
I was thinking, like, when I was writing it, I missed my college ball because I had COVID. And I was thinking, like, all about that, and I was thinking about my dad. So I wrote the lyrics first, and then I wrote the music around it because I kind of really wanted to go at it in the chorus and just, like, you know, use a bunch of different, like, electronic um, instruments and just make it really powerful. So, yeah, like, a lot of different synths. Yeah. What instruments do you play? I can't remember half the instruments. Yeah, what do you play? What do you play? You play piano, I know that. What what else do you play? Yeah, so I play piano, I sing, I play a little bit of drums, a little bit of bass, um, a little bit of guitar. I'm not great at guitar, but hopefully a little bit better the next couple of months. Yeah, and in the, in the, the, the School of Music, the MTU School of Music, there's, I know there's a huge pop music culture and a huge popular music focus in there. <laughs> Do they do the electronic stuff, the mixing, the production, or is that all self-taught? Um, so, like, I, like, taught myself this since I was, like, I'd say 17. I was, like, huge into, like, electronic dance music. So, like, I wanted to do DJing and producing. So I, like, taught myself how to produce. But in my, like, last year of college, they brought in, like, a production module. And I just loved that so much. And it was a keen Sweeney and... I, um, it's just I really like thrived in that module and that definitely helped me a lot with like getting the confidence to release prom queen and even more music in the future but yeah like at the course that I did was popular music and it was very kind of performance based um, but yeah I, in the last couple of months did a production module and learned even more about production because there's always stuff you need to learn more about Fantastic. Well, look, best of luck with this. It's been picked up by one of the most influential playlists in Spotify, which is fantastic. And good to talk to you. And I know this morning I went into Spotify and I followed you. So, Anthony, you pop up now. I'll I'll get it again. Really impressed to talk to you. Darian June, Darian O'Shea from Cork, Darian June, uh, her artist's name, all self-taught. All of that made in her own bedroom. That entire tune, that entire record made in her own bedroom on her own gear. And now it's on a Spotify, hugely influential Spotify playlist. We, we will hear more of Darian June. Uh, take my word for it. Will she be one day featured on the Back Garden Festival? You'd never know. It's back for this year, uh, the Back Garden Festival, streaming the biggest hits from the summer's headline acts with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. It's on the app now, or you can go to 96fm.ie. The lights are out at Christie Ring Bridge. We are being told. Uh, so thanks for that, Ken. Thank you, E.T. Uh, now, big snooker news. I've been following this lad's um, career. Aaron Hill, the breeze. He's in action at the British Snooker Open today against David Gilbert. Uh, tough competitor is Gilbert. Very tough, very consistent competitor for many, many years. Aaron Hill plays... David Gilbert at the British Open today. And that comes in. Best of luck from Stephen. Thank you. On Westlife, just know there's parking at Cork Boat Club for the Westlife concerts. It's beside the plaza in Black Rock, just a 15-minute stroll to the venue. So parking at Cork Boat Club for the Westlife concerts. That comes in by email from Eamon. On Litter... There's just not enough bins. I carried an ice cream stick from Claycastle to my car in Red Barn because there was no bin to put it into. Well, at least you didn't dump it on the side of the road, so thanks for that. PJ, as long as you have people cleaning the beaches, then the councillor delighted. 
it saves them paying overtime, which is one way of looking at it. And then this one. Hi PJ, listening to your show. I'm Irish and I would just like to say we are a nation of filthy, dirty people. What parent thinks it's okay to show their child that it's alright to leave your rubbish on the beach or at the park? What parent teaches their child it's okay to drop your burger wrapper in the street when you leave the chipper? Same people. Shame on us. Be better parents. They can call me. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend survey. Have a go at the Wayne teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With CarMax Used Car Supermarket. Dublin Road from Wayne. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C-A-R-M-A-X-X. CarMax.ie. On Cork's. 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Let me do this lest I forget because it came in yesterday and I put it forward into today. And if we don't get anything back on this today, we'll certainly hope to get something back on it on Monday. How long does it take to get yourself gather vetted? How long? Anyone who's had to be guard vetted, how long does it take from the time you fill in the form or whatever you do these days till you get your clearance and your vetting back? Because we got contacted by a listener who said, Hi, I was wondering if you could help me get some information. I was let go from my job today. Sorry to hear that. The boss said I had failed my guard vetting. Now, it took seven months to do the vetting and they've given no reason why I failed and I'm assuming from the message although I don't know that your boss hasn't shown you the gather vetting uh, result so you don't know is there anything I can do about this and why does it take so long if anyone's been I haven't been gather vetted for years I was gather vetted for a few things uh, a number of years back but but not of late so I don't know how long it takes or why it takes as long as it does. I do believe that the staff of the office that do it, it's quite a small staff. And it can take quite some time. But we'll find out what we can about the guy the vetting process and go back to it for that listener. 0818 96 96 96. There's a new stall in the English market, which the owners hope will bring some different ingredients to shoppers there. That ingredients you might necessarily have come across before joined by Linda O'Flynn of Terra Ignis which is a great name tell me about it Linda good morning good morning PJ how are you good this is um, yourself and, and Liv um, Ivo uh, my partner yeah Evo. so it's my, myself and my partner Ivo so we, we set up six weeks ago now um, and basically we're a fermentation company that um, uses local ingredients to um, basically create some probiotic goodness um, for for the people of Cork so uh, yeah we do some sodas those are all fermented with the base of uh, ginger bug so that's a culture that we create and then we also do some fermented sauces like a fermented hot sauce we've got a fermented ketchup um, so all fun, tasty things and some vinegars and some cordials that you mix with water. Now, when you say fermented, is that alcoholic? Uh-huh. It's not alcoholic, no. 
No. So we use a variety of different fermentation processes, but because, say, for example, for our sodas, um, similar to the process that you use for like a kombucha or a kefir, which people would be familiar with, um, because of the bacteria and the yeast combination, instead of converting just to alcohol, if it was just being like being con- fermented by a yeast, um, it's converting to acetic acid, which is really beneficial for the gut and taking up um absorbing nutrients so anything that you're already eating is being absorbed better by the presence of that acid so it's a it's a fermentation process that uses both a yeast and a bacteria so i mean you you have a fermented ketchup now what's the difference between oh. your ketchup and say one i'll buy in super value uh one of the regular so, ones yeah so basically what the, the main difference is that ours is is a living product so ours is mm. full of of good bacteria so instead of having something that sits on a shelf and has is full of preservatives so that it can sit on a shelf for a year, okay. um, ours is alive. So you keep ours in the fridge. It continues fermenting as you have it as a product. So you keep it cold. Okay. And uh, so, so as you're eating it, that you're just getting all that good bacteria, which just feeds the gut. And, okay. and that just helps in so many ways. So they're, they're all alive, basically. This is fascinating. So it's, it's gut health through yes. ingredients. Wow. Now, what's, yeah, what's so your Yeah, so we wanted to do it. it that, that. Oh, so we, um, so um, I'm a bartender. I've bartended in Cork for 11 years and my partner is a chef. So he's chef in New York, Lisbon and, and now here. So um, we're, we're mostly, it's always been around like liquids and foods and flavor. And I was lucky enough to work in, in cask for four and a half years right. where I worked on the seasonal menus there. So I, I got to work with seasonal ingredients. And um, after studying herbalism, I did an apprenticeship in herbalism. Um, it's really just combining all of our skills. Um, so between the the flavor and the, the local plants and the, the liquids and the fermentation, it just kind of all came together. So genuinely, the stuff on your stall, Terry Ignis, that we've never seen or tasted before in Cork. Yeah, I mean, we we try to use what's in season. So so for with our sodas and our cordials, we'll always use like a fruit or a berry. There's always that element, right. and then the secondary part of it is is a herb. So we will go out and we'll forage whatever is available to us. So for one of our sodas at the moment is a gooseberry and honeysuckle. Wow. So we go out, we pick our honeysuckle, um, and then once that's gone and we're moving with the seasons, we'll we'll start using something else. So it's it's pretty much just like I lived in the city for ten years, so I know how hard it is and how hard it is to find these ingredients to safely use and eat. So we're just trying to bring them in in a way that's good for you, but that you get to try flavors of our land that maybe isn't normally available to you. And we underuse them so much, you know, it's a shame. Yeah. So you literally, like you say, foraging for edible stuff that is growing wild possibly, and then you're turning it into these products of yours. Wow. Exactly. So we use um, we use pineapple weed, which is one that like people say they don't know, but then when you see a picture of it, you're like, oh my god, I know it. So it grows everywhere this time of year, and it's um, it's related to chamomile. But when you like squeeze the top flowers on it, uh, it smells like pineapples. It's incredible. Oh, so like okay. us, we, so like living here and not having much like exotic flavors, we try to bring them in in whatever way the nature allows us to do it here. So. We're able to have this incredible soda with blueberry and pineapple weed that's like tastes herbal and almost like cola, but is good for you. Crikey. Wow. Now, terra ignis, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So it's from the Latin, so terra meaning earth and ignis meaning fire. So I, I guess when we were trying to figure out a name for it, 
we wanted to have something that would say what we were doing. So it's about taking those like old age techniques because fermentation is, it's not new, you know, it's been around forever. Yeah. Um, so it's really just taking those old age techniques and then using them with our land rather than, you know, borrowing from other cultures, making kimchi and krauts that other cultures do so, so well. We wanted to see what we had on our land right. and, and what we could ferment that way. So. And as, as a matter of interest, like if you take something like gooseberry and, and what's mm-hmm. the process What's the fermenting so it, it's, without giving away trade secrets, the, as it were? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Like that, we'd we'd love people to be able to do it themselves as well. Like that's the the beautiful thing. Um, so with the goose, say the gooseberry and honeysuckle, the honeysuckle part is is separate. So we we make a, like a really strong tea out of that, and then with the gooseberries, they're cooked down um, and and basically infused. So you're taking the water, you're taking all the goodness out of the gooseberry into the water. Then you're combining those two. A little bit of sugar is added, and that that sugar, the purpose of that is to feed the ginger bug basically so the little ginger bug goes in that all gets bottled up and a bottle ferments in your bottle so what you're getting is is all of those elements popped in together and then we just let nature do the rest and how long would it sit there for nature to do the work as it were so for those for those sodas that that takes maybe three or four days for it to be like nice and fizzy and and you know you get that fermented tang off of it um then for different things like our, our ketchup it takes maybe a week and a half for that to be ready to bottle and then we have like a hot sauce which takes about five days so they're all different and to be honest it's like right now it's great for us because temperature affects it so much the warmer it is the quicker it is right so right now we're <laughs> everything's bubbling away really quickly uh during the winter then it'll just be a, a like a slower process but i suppose the beautiful thing is we get to we get to do that work and then when it gets to you it's ready to go so it's mm. So, yeah. so what are you hoping will happen now from this position in the English market, which is a great opportunity to showcase your work? What are you hoping will be the next step for Terry Agnes? Um, well, right now, we're just we're, honestly, we're going with the flow. Um, we're um, like a lot of people have asked us if they can stock us. So we're just trying to figure out how to do that, um, you know, how to stock our stall and, and get stocked to other places. And we're in like a really nice position that way. So we're just going to see where it takes us, we just want it to be really accessible to people because there's not enough fermented food out there and it's a really slow process to do yourself. So the more available it is, the better it is for everyone. So however that comes, we will, time will tell, I guess. Well, it sounds like you're off to a great start if people are asking you, can they stock your products, which is brilliant. Linda O'Flynn from Terra Ignis, Evo Duarte is her uh, partner and they're currently operating Terra Ignis at the, the English market. The stuff, every day is a school day. I thought fermented meant alcoholic. It doesn't. 0818, not necessarily. 0818 96 96 96. <clears throat> yeah, uh, the vetting, the vetting thing. Um, that person is entitled to see the vetting report um, sent to the employer. We don't know whether they've seen it or not. So, but thank you for that. The, the message doesn't make it clear whether or not they have seen the, uh, the report. They've just been told they failed the vetting. But the other question is, how does it take seven months? Why does it take seven months to get Kyla vetted? 0818 96 96 96. Just a message into us from MCD with regard to the Westlife gig. It is fine to carry a soft plastic bottle uh, the lids will be removed but it's okay to have water walking through security there are water refill points on the pitch 
you can buy water at the concession stands and bars. And they do recommend hats, visors and lots of sun cream. Also, they come back to us on the MCD passes again. A blue badge alone, not sufficient. They need to have gotten an MCD pass. This is from MCD themselves. There were road restrictions. They need a pass to get past them. Plus, there's restrictions on access. So they won't get to the car park if they just rock up with a blue badge at half six. So if you have a blue badge and you have Westlife tickets and you want to get in and park, you need to be in touch with them now to get yourself the pass. I'm assuming they'll email it to you. So you'll just have it to show uh, the checkpoints and you'll be able to get through. 0818 96 96 96. A bunch of you actually on about the the heavy metal and the music that your children like. My 13-year-old granddaughter loves Metallica and Queen. We've searched Cork looking for Metallica t-shirts. Can't find any, says Maria. There's a place in the English market does t-shirts and I know they do rock and roll t-shirts, rock band t-shirts. You might find them in there. Metallica t-shirts. They're out there. I've seen them. And Pat made me smile, PJ. My daughter went through an obsession with The Devil Went Down to Georgia by the Charlie Daniels Band. What a song! What a tune. She was about seven or eight and she had all the words and the accent down, Pat. Brilliant. Brilliant. 0818 96 96 96. Now, there's a super moon tonight, the moon, and we'll get a chance to see it because the sky will be clear. And I saw it last night. The moon last night was just huge and really, really bright. The peak of it is tonight, and it's the last super moon of the year. There's also a meteor shower coming, but we might not see that because of the sheer brightness of the moon. Space correspondent Leo Enright. Leo, good morning. What exactly is a super moon, sir? Well, supermoons, supermoons uh, are kind of a creature of the internet age um, because we've always had them, but we didn't really talk about them very much because, uh, you know, people looked out and said, oh, isn't the moon looking a bit bigger uh, tonight? Um, but really, they're, they're more of an optical illusion than anything else. The moon isn't much closer to us uh, than than it was, you know, a month ago. Um, it's just that um, there, there, there are variations, very small variations um, in the, um, uh, you know, in the orbit of the moon, all right. And um, sometimes the moon does get a bit closer to us. But uh, as I said, the super, super moons are, seem to have really originated uh, when people started looking up and noticing the effect yeah. of the atmosphere on the moon. People started uh, saying, God, there's a super moon out yeah. tonight. And that became super moon. <laughs> so it's not, it's not especially huge or especially close. It's just looks of it because of its position in the orbit. Is that it? Exactly. And uh, it's, it, as I said, it, it really is not an astronomical term. Astronomers don't go out looking for supermoons um, because, the, the, you know, it, they're not really a, a scientific uh, experience and more of a, an aesthetic experience. Right, right. I mean, it's certainly there's no question it does look bigger on these nights, um, but it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a... It's not going to cause. Uh, it's not going to cause Lambe Island, the the volcano that died three million years ago, to suddenly explode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it it looks spectacular, and it did look brilliant last night. There was a, the moonlight was very bright last night, and be brighter again tonight because 
there's a good bright clear summer night and then there's a meteor shower but unfortunately the moon might be too bright might block it out is that the story leo yeah, absolutely. And this this really is where the moon suddenly becomes the bad guy of the story. Um, it really is spoiling uh, the Perseids tonight. These, this, this is, you know, generally speaking, not always, but generally it's the best meteor uh, shower of the year. Uh, and, you know, particularly, you know, in, in summertime when, you know, uh, lacoon of day, we might have a, a, a little, you know, bit of uh, clear sky. So, you know, it's all, it's generally a good one for us here in Ireland. Uh, but unfortunately, if you if you walk out at midnight, uh, Perseus, which is the it, the the uh, meteor shower, appears to come from the constellation Perseus, uh, which is why it's they're called the Perseids. Uh, and Perseus will rise kind of to the north uh, northeast. Tonight, so if you're looking north, a little bit to your to your left, uh, you'll see the um, northwest. Sorry, if you look a little bit to your west, you'll see Perseus rising uh, at about midnight. Uh, Mars will be over there, low in the horizon as well. And, and as of from then, you should start to see more shooting stars than usual. Uh, but as I said, unfortunately, as you're looking over there at Mars and Perseus, if you look straight up, that's the moon. Yeah. And it just blots out a lot of the fainter meteorites. Spectacular sights in the sky then. Now, Leo, in terms of space technology, they, I know there is a, isn't there a kind of a plan to send man back to the moon uh, sometime before 2030? And there's a new system a new nasa are bringing in new launch technology to work towards that are they well yes now i have to break it gently to you but they are not sending a man back to the moon no they're sending a woman okay <clears throat> so the plan is uh, they they have committed the americans uh, quite properly and rather belatedly they have committed that the the next person to set foot on the moon will be a woman. Okay, um, and she hasn't been uh, she hasn't been selected yet, but she's already you know an, an astronaut. So we can narrow it down uh, fairly uh, to a, a great degree uh, as to who's likely to be the the first woman on the moon. But that that's the American commitment. Uh, there will be a man or two with her, but you know it could. be be an all-woman crew. Um, they land, they're talking about landing in or around 2026. Right. But I, I think they'll be very, very lucky to uh, to make that date. Things are, are running fierce slow uh, on the moon landing program. So they're, they're going to launch a test mission, as you correctly say, at the end of this month, fingers and toes crossed, that it could be delayed again. But at the moment, the plan is to launch Artemis 1 uh, to the moon. It will fly out without people on board. It will fly out uh, beyond the moon, much further than any uh, human-rated spacecraft has gone before, way out the other side of the moon, and will come back to Earth to test the... Uh, the heat shield, because when you come back from the moon, you're going at a hell of a clip. Yes. You're moving very, very fast indeed, much faster than if you're in orbit around the Earth. And so when you hit the Earth's atmosphere, you need to be damn sure that your heat shield is going to work. Uh -huh. So the first and major uh, task of this mission is to test the heat shield. Um, it does have other priorities. The, we in Europe, uh, I know several young Irish women 
um, and I think there's a couple of men working on it, but I certainly know of two Irish women who are actively working as we speak on the module that uh, that powers this uh, system to the moon. So there's a good, strong Irish involvement in this moon mission because it's a joint mission between Europe and the Americans. It was 1969 that the first human foot was placed on the moon, Leo. Why has it taken so long to do it again? Well, to begin with, um, it, it was very, very difficult back then. And uh, to be honest, there were a lot of people who were just astonished that they did it without losing anybody. And the only loss of life during the Apollo program was actually on the ground here on Earth uh, in a horrible accident uh, before the first mission even flew. But overall, despite everything they managed to land um, uh, you know all these people on the moon and get them back safely as Kennedy had promised to do now at any moment that could have gone wrong and the technology at the time as you know was much much uh, less sophisticated than we have now and even now with our technology which I mean you know you could easily say we're a hundred times more accomplished technically uh, because of new materials, new uh, computing, right. all of this, the stuff that we've developed in the last 50 years makes us, I think, probably something like 100 times more efficient. But the risk is still there. Doing. And the risk is still there. And people still wonder, can we do it safely? Okay. So can you just imagine uh, the risk they were taking uh, 50 years ago? Puts, puts a whole context on it, Leo. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk again. Leo Enright, space correspondent, always welcome uh, on the Opinion Line. Right, MCD and mobility wheelchair access this evening. They've sent us a statement. You need to email access at mcd.ie. Access, A-C-C-E-S-S, at mcd.ie with the request for a pass. And you need to include your phone number, the date of the show you want to attend, your full name, the registration of the car, and the make and model of the car. Put that all in the original email and send it off like now, like this instant, to access at mcd.ie. That, if you get the pass, then that will enable you to go in and park with your blue badge inside in the uh, marquee car park, okay? Access at mcd.ie with all that information, your name, the show you want to attend, uh, your car registration and make model and get that into your first email and do it now, do it pronto. Also, I'm asked to let you know that the Ray of Sunshine Foundation will be collecting in buckets along Centre Park Road tonight and tomorrow for Westlife. They hope to build a refuge centre for young girls in Mombasa in Kenya next January. It's a little charity based in County Clare that does the most incredible work and thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. Something else happening over the weekend uh, with Westlife and Iron Man and everything else. There's another one in the series of a summer of stories at the Cork Arts Theatre and this week a couple of performances left of Indigestion written and performed by Seamus O'Rourke who I saw only a little while ago in Irene Kelleher's new production at the Cat Club during the Midsummer Festival but this is your own one a cavern man dropped in London with his hands hanging to him at the age of 17 Seamus good morning yeah, that's about the height of it. Um, yeah, and the story goes from there, and uh, he goes through all sorts of uh, problems and uh, ends up coming back to Ireland. Um, 
fairly recently. Uh, the the story kind of starts out almost fifty years ago and 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 works right up to the present day. Um, and I've been here in in the in the cat club for the last couple of days, bringing people in out of the sun, and uh, I have to say they're enjoying it great. And uh, it's a lovely theatre and a great venue for the kind of theatre you do, which is storytelling. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I, I was just saying I'd love to be here for a month and, and just. Um, it's just so intimate, and it's the place. It's the place for storytelling because when it gets beyond the hundred seater, it then becomes a kind of an event. And uh, I'm not really competing with Westlife uh, this morning. <laughs> yeah, but it's an in, it's a great little theatre for for intimate stuff, like a person telling a story or like a a one person show, which is exactly what this is. It, it's a comedy. It's a tragedy. You, someone who's seen it before said to me, "You will laugh, and then five minutes later, you want to cry." Yeah, well, I mean, I've always written about. Uh, I, I grew up in rural Ireland. I'm a Leitrim man, but I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the Cavan border. So anytime I want to, to write something uh, a bit showoffy, I, 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 I call myself a Cavan man. Um, but, but all of my stuff is kind of rural based, and 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 all of my storytelling is a kind of. Uh, built on 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 the fun of life and 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 the the comedy of everyday living but then there's also hopefully a strand of of reality and and current um problems that people have you know this story is really about i suppose it, it touches on on our our mental state of mind but it's a kind of saying that we all have some little uh, idiosyncrasies or, or or some little problem and and we all just have to try and uh, cope is the word and, and hope is another word that yeah. you know there's hope at the end of this tale of this man and to hope well there's a couple of performances left at the Cat Club today and tomorrow wish you well with it Seamus Indigestion written and performed by Seamus O'Rourke and in, uh, interestingly enough the star of this show is a Cavan man and was a Cavan woman who put you through to me today so there you go Seamus <laughs> thank you for that where am I going before you go a Carcass Arts Theatre get down for that you're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.